0: I think we can all agree the nature of work has changed in the pandemic, and perhaps it's permanently changed. That shift in work will create massive business opportunities. Today on Techopia Live, we talked to an Ottawa-based company that believes it could be the platform for all work that happens with a keyboard and a mouse. We talked with the founder and CEO, Tehama, coming up on Techopia Live. (laughs) Hello and welcome. I'm Michael Curran from Ottawa Business Journal and Techopia. This is a bonus episode of Techopia Live when we're talking to some of the hottest and most intriguing local technology companies. Back in 2019, Paul Vallée made a very timely decision. He decided after almost a quarter century in a leadership role from a well-known tech company called Pythian to step down. And instead, he wanted to devote his energy and time to a new company called Tehama. That company specializes in desktop as a service, and then along comes a pandemic. And what happens? Well, that's what we're going to talk to Paul about. Let's talk with the CEO of Tehema now. Please welcome Paul Vallee. Thank you, Mike. How's it going? It's great. It's good to see you. I haven't seen you in person for a long time, so I'm looking forward to that at some point. SAS North in real life was amazing. Yeah, yeah, and it was tied up. Uh, We were working on a few projects, but... uh, It's great to talk to you, Paul. So uh, there might be a few people, I hope there's not, but that don't know what Tehama does these days, Paul. So uh, give us the elevator pitch right off the start. Sure. Well, you
1: know, they teach you to give an elevator pitch to say like you're like Uber, but for something else. (laughs) Tehama is not like uh, Uber. Uh, Tehama is like FedEx, but for work. So what we're trying to do is instead of creating a global carriage and logistics business that carries stuff, we're trying to create a global carriage and logistics business that carries work from its point of origin where the fingers hit the keyboard. We take custody of it. We manage it to our standard of care and then we uh, ingest it into containers that we call rooms. And those rooms have a uh, standard of care that's been validated by over 100 CISOs of major businesses all around the world. And then those rooms get connected to the um enterprises, data assets to permit that uh, the desktops in those rooms uh, to access the customers networks. And so essentially what we're doing is we're creating a capability for an enterprise to very easily and seamlessly consume work at the place where the um, where the remote worker is physically based. And of course, if that if that worker happens to be in the office, it still works fine. But if they're from home or in a Starbucks, we consume it wherever they might be. And then we carry it safely and responsibly in our own custody at our own at at a standard of care that we uh, are attempting to uh, uh, define and are constantly improving uh, into customers' uh, uh, data centers. And so essentially what we're building is FedEx for work. Um, When we go take the company to market, we talk about desktop as a service a lot because that's the budget we typically attach to. So when an enterprise has a desktop as a service budget, they would normally have to not only buy the desktop, but also by networking technology, privilege access management technology, workflow automation technology, data loss protection technology, and a variety of other technologies, and then put them all together in a major project to be able to consume work. Um, but what we do is we put all that together uh, in a standard of care that we have validated now several hundred times, uh, and then deliver the work right into the customer's enterprise uh, um, networks where they need to where, where it belongs. To, to me, that sounds like the perfect. Uh
0: technology solution during a pandemic. And, and I want to get into that. But before we do, I want to roll back the hands of time a little bit to 2019. Paul, you spent uh, t- the better part of 25 years, I think, at uh, at Pythian. And you made a big decision in 2019 to, um, well, I'll, I'll let you talk about what the decision and why I, you made it. To walk us through sure. what that was like way back in 2019. Because I think yeah. it,
1: it helps explain where Tehama uh, comes from. Right. Well, I'm very proud of the work that uh, we that I did at Pythian, but I'm also very proud of Pythian uh, after our transaction in 2019. It's they're really making amazing uh, uh, strides. And essentially, I founded uh, Pythian as a 25-year-old database and systems administrator, and it was one of the world's earliest remote work companies where our own talent was remote to us, and we were remote to the customers. So we've been working in a you know a telework mode uh, for of literally more than two decades. And we learned a lot doing that. And in one of the things that we learned is that customers are very concerned about the security and compliance dynamics, especially of, of engaging systems and database administrators who are working from home on their own laptops in, in Pythian's case, 36 countries, 140 cities all over the world. Uh, and you can imagine that that's a, you know, a security nightmare to a CIO uh, of, I mean, Pythian's public customer list is, is, uh, made up of the who's who in retail, e-commerce, media, technology, you name it. And so w- what we needed to do is we need to innovate. And So starting in 2000, an idea that was uh, germinated in 2006, started development in 2009, uh, went beta shortly thereafter and uh, became Pythian's primary service delivery platform in 2012 was to Hamas predecessor, Adminiscope. And Adminiscope, uh, we made an architectural mistake. Uh, Adminiscope, the customer could buy any service in the world they wanted so long as Pythian was delivering it. And uh, so, but at, at one point uh, in 2015, Adminiscope was definitely the world's largest service delivery platform in that over 100 enterprise customers were consuming uh, uh, and had validated a single standard of care to permit remote workers to, to, to perform even security-intensive workloads like systems and database administration remotely and working from home on their own laptops, which is an incredibly high bar uh, to pass. Uh, When we partnered uh, with uh, the BDC to raise some mezzanine debt uh, in order to uh, build Tehama, which was designed as a two-sided platform where service providers and buyers could exchange services over the internet. um, That was uh, incubated inside Pythian, a project that we started in 2016 launched in New York City in 2018, and we soon realized that we were onto something. And even in a pre-pandemic mode, it was starting to become clear that, um, you know, work was the world's most valuable commodity for which a internet-native platform designed to exchange it had not yet emerged. And it remains that way right now, where Pythian Pythian, uh, invented Tehama. And uh, when we did the uh, conjoined twin surgery to separate the businesses in two, uh, in fact, uh, the, the the company that I founded as a 25-year-old remains Tehama, Inc.'s parent company. And so we created a brand new business and sold the Pythian services business to the brand new business uh, and uh, recapitalized it under Millpoint's leadership.
0: That's really neat. And, and as I was mentioning a few minutes ago, like this seems, um, you know, almost like you were looking back way in the mid mid two thousands with a crystal ball as to there's going to be this pandemic and everybody's going to work from home and that trend's going to take I hold that it might last for years. So the timing, you know, Terry Matthews always talks about timing. Like it seems to me you got it right. Uh, yeah. now it, you know, I, I don't know how things have been going uh, on uh, with the Tehama since, uh, since the pandemic took hold. Bring us up to speed on what it's been like operating the company in a pandemic
1: with potentially the right, right solution. It has been a huge whirlwind. Uh, the, there's no question that the opportunity in front of us is at least 100, if not 250 times bigger than it was pre-pandemic. To give you an idea of the scale of the uh, opportunities in front of us, you know, we 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 look routinely look at opportunities for 2,000 seats, uh, with you know an opportunity to hit 10,000 seats uh, over the course of the first year. Whereas in the pre-pandemic world, you know, most remote work was a third-party IT service delivering to an enterprise, and a, a meaningful third-party IT service footprint might be 25 people or 50 people. It's not like ever going to be in a single workload hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, But now the customer's buying agenda has shifted. So the enterprise customer now wants to buy a total platform, not just a remote work platform. And uh, I would be uh, remiss if I did not admit that this has put enormous pressure on the product and the engineering and the company strategy, because we've had to respond to customer needs to support, you know, hundreds and hundreds of users when before we would support 25 to 50 to support much more sophisticated network access strategies, uh, to support uh, much more sophisticated identity and access management strategies. And I mean, I could go on and on. We've really been uh, massively investing in the product and in the solution in order to satisfy uh, the customer's demands that have come out of the post-pandemic economy.
0: Yeah, I'm following you on that. So the opportunity has uh, increased uh, dramatically, but also the pressure on the development team to fully develop uh, the product and the solution. Absolutely. Uh, I, I want to talk to you, uh, continue talking to you about what the 2022 might to bring and check in with kind of this, where the company's at in terms of its size of its workflow, yeah. workforce and so on and so forth. But before I do that, uh, Paul, I just want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode, Priya awesome. Robertson Hill and McDougall tech companies must move at the speed of light and they need a law firm that moves just as fast. Pearlie Robertson and Hill and & McDougall has developed long-standing expertise in helping tech companies address their legal matters. As Ottawa's largest premier full-service law firm, Pearlie Robertson and Hill and & McDougall has provided a number of specialized legal services for the past 50 years. Pearlie Robertson and Hill and & McDougall's in-house legal experts can help tech companies with financing strategies, venture capital, private placements and public offerings, mergers and acquisitions, intellectual property protections, shareholder agreements, and much more. To learn more about how Pearlie Robertson Hill and McDougall can help your company, visit Perlaw.ca We're talking to Paul Vallee from Tehama. Paul, we were just mentioning uh, some of the pressures on the company. Um, is it, does that mean that uh, you've been hiring lots of developers? Can bring us up to speed in and, and number of employees and yeah. and what other challenges you're tack- tackling?
1: Yeah, we have, we've grown to about 80 people now. And so wow. this is definitely no longer a tiny little startup. The opportunity in front of us has, as I was explaining, magnified dramatically. The problem space has also uh, uh, increased in complexity dramatically. And with that, I mean, we are definitely going for it. So we are trying to, we, we believe we're in, in front of the, one of the largest opportunities in the history of technology. Uh, certainly, to give you an idea, roughly 20% of all economic activity on planet Earth is exchanged through monitor, keyboard, mouse interactions. And there is no FedEx for this. There is no uh, single business that carries those interactions on behalf of their customers uh, into uh, from point A to point B where it belongs. And so every business right now is is stuck in a world where they're building their own custom FedEx. They're buying their own mix and match of desktops and privilege access management and networking security and workflow automation software, putting it together themselves, having to manage it themselves, having to then govern it themselves, having to then audit their governance of it themselves, which is incredibly expensive. And at the end of the day, creates no differentiation at all for their business. Whether you're an airline or a bank, all you can really do is consume your workforce. Um, And so we don't think that situation is going to remain. But we do believe that whoever solves this problem uh, is sitting in front of one of the largest opportunities in uh, the history of tech.
0: Is it fair to say that other big companies, maybe like Microsoft of the world and that, are chasing
1: this meme too? Um, Well, we, we suspect that they are. But the reality is right now, we are not seeing any evidence of that yet. They still seem to be focused on what we would consider supply chain, which is to say what they're doing is primarily focused on Uh, Like, for example, with Microsoft, uh, they're putting gargantuan amounts of uh, capital behind their Windows 365 strategy. But Microsoft, Windows 365 does not carry work. It's just the desktop. And the desktop is great, but you need to connect that desktop to your network somehow. You need to supervise the workforce that is using that desktop somehow. You need to manage that desktop. You need to uh, workflow automate a variety of things. I mean, there's just a lot of work left to do. and in a sense, just because you have a desktop in the cloud, I mean, all that is, is like um, like a Dell.com laptop that you can uh, receive just because it's in the cloud instead of physical doesn't mean you're done the work of consuming your workforce through that. And so the, the problem space that I'm seeing most of the industry focus on remains to be like a, basically a variety of different businesses. Some are focused on the zero trust network access like um, Netscope or Zscaler. Some are focused on the privileged access management, like Observe IT or CyberArk, and some are focused on the desktops, like Amazon or Microsoft or Citrix or VMware. And, um, but I, I think we're still the only company that is trying to carry work with custodial responsibility of it uh, from point A to point B. So right now, we're still market-defining uh, business.
0: Yeah, I, I get that you're trying to put put everything in one box, and it's it. It sounds like a tremendous technical challenge, but a really exciting one too. So, if we start looking forward to 2022, what might uh, what might the new year bring for uh, Tehema? Well, we are
1: definitely at an inflection point in our business right now, where we are. Let me put it this way: as the opportunities in front of us got gargantuan and huge, um, we have been taking very consistent feedback from. Uh, prospects in those markets. And I'm glad to say that there is not an infinite number of monkeys in this barrel of monkeys. And we are coming up on the bottom of the barrel where we are putting the last puzzle pieces uh, in place in order to be able to take on thousands and thousands of, of workers in an enterprise work from home mode. Um, when, we, when we are in a position to win those deals, we expect our our average deal size to increase possibly by an order of 10 or more. Uh, And so that is something that is uh, going to happen either, I would say, in Q1. Uh, Right now, we're shipping the last major component, which is an overhaul of our networking stack. Um, It's actually, if you're interested in this sort of technology architecture, our old networking stack could connect uh, one of our rooms, uh, which are kind of like containers for work. Um, we could connect rooms to a single network and that was appropriate for a third-party IT service provider, which was the space that 80% of remote work pre the pan- uh, 80% of remote work pre-pandemic was exchanged between a third-party IT service provider like Pythian and the enterprise that they were serving. Um, so we were connecting one room to one network. but our brand new networking stack, which is shipping next month, uh, shipping in December, uh, permits us to connect a single room, To an arbitrary number of network assets. So a great example uh, that I'm excited about is the government of Canada has, I believe, 15 or 17 cloud footprints and 30 brick and mortar data centers still. And they want to be able to connect a single desktop to their entire data estate so that the worker can connect once at the edge and then access the data assets that are appropriate for them to get their job done. Um, that's something that our new networking stack can do, and we're shipping it next month. I think we're at an inflection point in terms of our opportunity to take on customers of that size. That that's really exciting,
0: and you know, sales and sales and marketing is always going to be a challenge for every company. But it, are you really just at the last uh, at last chapter of uh, of solving that technical issue, and then you think the orders will come pouring in the door? Is yeah, is that what so I'm kind of
1: hearing. Yeah. Since the beginning of the pandemic, we've two and a half x the business, so it's not like we're not growing well i mean the company is growing well the reality though is that i would say the majority maybe three quarters of that two and a half xing of the business remains in our uh, third-party workforce uh third-party services uh mode okay so we're talking about enterprises consuming their third-party workforce great example is upwork which is the world's largest free mar- uh, freelancer marketplace but it's also publicly traded. It also has credit card data storage and it's built by freelancers. So Upworker, Upwork is built by Upworkers and Upwork consumes many of those Upworkers through Tehama because that's the only way that they can consume security and compliance, sensitive engineering workloads from freelancers. And so it's a great example of how, you know, most of our growth in the past 18 months has been in our pre-COVID wheelhouse. Um, but we believe that that is changing like literally next quarter. We believe that we are at the last um, the last puzzle pieces to create a world where most of our growth is in the large scale enterprise work from home space uh, because we've been working to address those customers' needs. And, and maybe just as we wrap up, um, I'm hearing from many local
0: CEOs that talent continues to be a giant issue. Uh, in your Pythian days, you know, you would spread the talent around the globe and um, Is that what, is that how Tehama will continue to grow? And and I imagine you'll continue hiring throughout 2022?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we are definitely uh, the the kind of workplace where working from home was not a problem, right? (laughs) And uh, we are definitely the kind of workplace where, uh, although the office has been reopened and I'm in the office right now, um, I would say, you know, there's certainly no mandate to have to come back into the office. And we've been hiring talent, the best talent that we can find where it happens to be. And so, I mean, some amazing new hires I'm thinking of, for example, we hired someone who, uh, Nabil Yuakim, who was the vice president of solutions architecture and product uh, at Citrix for 20 years. And so he is like an insider and, uh, in the uh, remote desktop, virtual desktop space, uh, incomparably in, in so. And so that kind of talent, we will hire where it lives. Um, but we are definitely biasing to Canada for uh, what I would consider rank and file talent, software engineering talent. Like that's where we want uh, to hire talent for sure. Is to create this as a maiden Canada solution in general. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting the point. Uh, you'll hire anywhere,
0: but uh, you also have some beautiful uh, office right there in Westborough. That Grove is great that, here, for sure. That you want people back in and just to create. It, and, and maybe, maybe I'll just ask this question. It just occurred to me. You know, so many CEOs are wondering how they keep co- company culture alive when everyone's working from home. Any any thoughts as we wrap up on that point? Well, this is my specialty.
1: So, I mean, I certainly, as someone who's been um, managing a workforce that has been mostly remote for now I guess I'm I'm definitely going on 25 years. I think it's the 24th year of doing that. Um, certainly, like managing culture is uh, one of the challenges, right? So managing cultural cohesion with the business is one of the challenges. There is no single silver bullet solution, but I will say, uh, you know, of the of the major hit list, I would say creating a. Uh, uh, asynchronous culture, asynchronous, so that you, um, meetings move into Slack and other places where people can participate when they have a moment. Um, and uh, communicating uh, more in writing than ever before. Uh, asynchronous communication in writing is very powerful. We do a weekend uh, update where I spend a few hours every Sunday uh, bringing the company up to speed on where we stand. Uh, that becomes extremely important. And building a feedback-intensive culture where we're prompting individuals to provide a bottom-up and top-down feedback on a routine basis so that difficult conversations are happening, lubricated by systems and business processes, as opposed to just hoping that something comes up in a meeting. And then finally, I think, I mean, it's very important for us to create social opportunities. If they must be all online, then let them be all online. In fact, I'm skipping uh, company social right now. In order to oh. interview, yeah, but, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but also putting them putting them in real life when possible. Um, teams meeting up for coffees or in restaurants yeah. or, or whatever is very very important. Uh, we're also doing kickoff in person. Uh, I find that it, you know a, a remote workforce can be very cohesive and well gelled if they're spending at least some time uh, getting to know each other in person. You can you can build a lot of social capital. Uh, you can build a year's worth of social capital in a three or four day visit. That's really neat. Well, I, I love the
0: point that you've been working on this for 10, 20 years, kind of the remote work. So maybe if you have some time away from Tama, you can write down a write a book or or do a series of speeches or something, Paul. I'm, there, I'm sure there,
1: there's definitely a lot of content that fits the mold. Uh, yeah. uh, and I would uh, love if you shared a link to some uh, one of our content libraries. Oh, there's a lot of stuff just like, that. oh,
0: okay, we will. Well, thank you, thank you so much. Listen, Paul, you've been very generous uh, with your time today. And you've got a social to get to, so we're, we're going to let you go. Thanks, uh, thanks for being on Techopia Live with us, Paul.
1: It's my privilege. Thank you, Michael.
0: As we wrap up the show, let's take a look at some of the other sponsors that support Techopia. Techopia is brought to you by many great sponsors, such as Number Crunch, offering virtual CFO services for SaaS companies. Pearlie Robertson Hill and McDougall, a leader in business and technology sector law. TD Bank, specialized programs for technology companies, the University of Ottawa Faculty of Engineering, creating the next generation of technical talent. Techopia is not only a podcast, we post new articles daily at obj.ca slash techopia. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, you can find Techopia at Techopia, O-T-T. And if you're on YouTube, please subscribe and click the bell icon. A big thank you to Paul uh, from Tehama for being on the show today. It's going to be fascinating to watch the group of Tehama and and see if they can realize that uh, dream of remote desktops all kind of bundled into one. Uh, fascinating project that Paul and team are working on. That's all the time we have for this episode of Techopia Live. Thanks for joining us Uh, on behalf of all my uh, colleagues at the OBJ and Techopia. uh, Hope to see you real soon. Stay connected. Stay safe. Bye-bye.